Well, good morning, everybody. Good to have you here. Uh, we are excited as we hit the uh, first week of October. We are coming at you from our Lake Chelan Building Supply Studios in beautiful Uptown Manson. Welcome to all of you, especially those of you that are in our first ever Real Life at Home groups. We've kicked those off today. We'll have a lot more to say about that later. If uh, you are participating, give yourself a little uh, hooray in your group. If uh, you're like, hey, what the heck? I'm left out. There's a form you can go fill out. We will get, we'll find a place for you. Uh, if you're hanging out at home or listening as you jog down the road, wherever you're at in Brewster, Pateras, or Bridgeport, or Mansfield, you're all up at uh, Real Life Brewster. Uh, great. Uh, everyone in the Manson Chelan Valley, thanks for tuning in. We are continuing our Let's Go series, and like the guy in the nursing home that just wants to jog and be free and get out there, that's kind of where we find ourselves. Individually, we want to get going. This pandemic has kind of slowed us down. At least it's made me feel trapped a little bit, and so I'm pushing past that and starting to go and still wearing my mask and being safe distanced from people, but we got to get going. And as a church, we got to get going. And not just to promote our church, in order to meet needs of people in the community, to stay on mission. And our mission is to help people who are, or people who feel far from God, find real life in Christ. And like we talked about last week, we think that following Jesus makes our life better and makes us better at life. Doesn't make me better than you if you haven't discovered faith in Jesus yet, but there's great hope and we want to continue on mission and planning and preparing and everything we do for people who think or are or feel far from God. Now, there's all kinds of experiences that keep us from that. Uh, our mission is clear, but a lot of times, maybe in your past, you've experienced a bad church experience or something awkward. Uh, I'm familiar with that. I have some friends, uh, this is a great story. I have some friends who moved into a new community and they decided to check out a, a new church that they didn't really know anything about. And so they got online and they looked at the website and then the website said that church starts at 11 a.m. So they decided to be a little bit early. So they show up at about 10.50, 10.55 a.m. Well, as soon as they opened the front door, they realized there was a problem. Couple things. A, the website was wrong. They had started at 10 a.m., not 11, and now my buddy and his wife and their two kids are walking into church 50 minutes late. But the worst thing is, as they opened the front door of the church and the loud, creaky, big door opened, they were walking right into the sanctuary where the pastor was preaching and everybody was sitting. So all 15, 20 people that were in the service, small church, uh, turned, everything stopped. The pastor stopped preaching, the people stopped moving, and they all turned and looked at my, my buddy and his wife and, and their two kids who were just standing there like frozen. Couldn't have been more awkward. So they kind of slunk back into the back row and thought, okay, well, maybe they started early. They sat down, about five minutes later, the service ended. They couldn't have felt more stupid and awkward. And then to top it off, when the service ended, because they weren't used to seeing young people at this church, they came running. All of them came and greeted them. They were very friendly and said, hey, we noticed you have kids. Would you like to start a children's ministry here at our church? 
That's a little awkward. Your first time at a church, all of us have had awkward church experiences. In fact, I think maybe for you, but for me, a lot of people, it would be so great if there were some kind of 12-step program for people who have had bad church experiences. Before we begin, I just want to remind everyone that this is a safe place. Now, we've all had bad church experiences, and it helps if we talk about it. <laughs> Jeff and Cindy, huh? why don't you what? two get us started? Oh, no, uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Um, well, Cindy, <laughs> why don't you tell us what happened? Okay, so it was our first time at this church. Now, before we wrap up, Jeff, Cindy, I know it's your first time, but we like for all of our guests to pray for us before we go. That wouldn't make you feel awkward at all, would it? Yes. No, we'd be happy to. Come on, honey. Go ahead. Okay. Let us let's pray. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to pray. That doesn't sound so bad. It gets worse. For the homeless, for the people who have homes, for the people who built those homes, and for Sherlock Holmes. Give us bread, Lord, and forgive us our trespasses, because we were probably lost and we didn't realize that we were on private property. Well, it's not great. Still not the worst part. And there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA, amen. I'm sure they know you meant well. They asked us not to come back. I don't know if you've had a church experience as bad as that, but we've all had something. Or we ran into a church person that was awkward, or we've had a church experience that was awkward. Growing up as a pastor's kid, not only did I experience or see awkward moments in church, I created them. I was a holy hellion in church, and as a pastor's kid, I created all kinds of awkwardness for all kinds of people. Whatever your experience, I'm not sure. But in my experience as a kid, we, we were taught, and I, I think unintentionally, that if you had any baggage or, at all, you didn't bring it into church. That would be an awkward, bad experience for you to admit that you were struggling in some way. In fact, the way we made um, our families look like we were great was this thing called the church directory. And if you're older like me, you understand what that is, that we didn't have Facebook or Instagram to check up on people. So we all got together once, twice a year, and the, everyone got their pictures taken, and they put in the church directory. So that when you got home and you wanted to gossip about somebody, you could say, you, you could point at the family and say, yeah, that's them there. Or if you wanted to pray for them, whatever. I just know my family. Now listen, this is going way back. If you lived in Rochester, Minnesota in 1970, you would have seen the Plouffe family in the Baptist church directory. Yep, that's, 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 our, that's my family. Um, Three of, uh, three of the family members are enjoying the, the process. I think little Kyle here is starting to figure out a couple things. A, who put this bowl on my head when they cut my hair? That's the first thing I notice. The second thing is, I don't know why I have a patch on my jacket. 
like I'm some rich kid from England or, or something. I don't, I don't know where that came from. I, I, There's probably a hand-me-down. And the third is, I'm like, what is going on here? Who, why am I here? I have a tie on. I'm made to sit still. Uh, 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 th- there's a lot going on here. But the biggest thing going on here, and that you all know, is that behind every picture, there's a story. And behind every story, there's a past. And if you have known this family, my family, 1970, and you move forward 14 years, you would never, you would never guess by looking at this family what our life would be like 14 years later. There would be divorce and tears and heartbreak. Um, in the future, there would be run-ins with the law and bad blood and, I mean, and, and remarriages. I mean, that, that you would never have guessed as perfect as this picture looked back then that there would come stuff later. Because at church, we're taught to take whatever our mess is and whatever we're struggling is, and we sweep it underneath the carpet. I want to talk about the mess under the carpet and why some of us feel like we can't be involved in church or people of faith because of our past and our messiness. A lot of times we feel we can't be part of church because you have felt rejected by other people. You showed up, you looked around, you heard them talking about different things or different sins or different mistakes, and you thought, well, man, I've got a lot of that in my past. In fact, I struggle with that right now. So you thought, if everyone here has it all together, I'm outside the club. So you decided to quit going or not go at all. Or you feel disqualified by people. That you started, you started down the road and you, you looked at all the qualifications you thought were, were, were in stone that you had to follow in order to be part of a church. And you said, there's no way I can do that. So then, then, then we have to do something. And this is what we were taught. You either stay away or stay fake. You, you either say, listen, you rejected me, you disqualified me, or you just pretend like you got it all together and, and everything's great. And people like me, pastors who sit up in front every week and act like we have it all together and we don't struggle with anything, we make you all feel like church is only for unmessy, perfect people. And maybe you're listening this morning and and, uh, that's you. Maybe it's a family member that feels that way, that When your folks divorced, the church didn't know what to do with you, so they kind of pushed you aside. When you struggled with with an addiction, they said, nah, you can't do it here. When you were honest about your marriage, people kind of like looked down on you. So this morning, I want to talk about what do you do with that that mess? And is there a place for messy people to fit into a church? Specifically, is there a place for messy people to fit into real life Lake Chelan, real life Brewster? The, The problem is, the mistake we make is we look at people in the Bible, whether you've been in the church or not in the church, you, we all think that people in the Bible led these perfect lives. Really, only Jesus. Everyone else was messed up. Hey, listen, you want to feel good about your issues and your struggle? Read the Bible. We, we give nicknames to people in the Bible like St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Matthew, and it, and it elevates them to, to saint status like they're perfect, but they're just not. Almost every person in the Bible, all the main characters, if you could just list somebody, all of them were in serious need of some kind of counseling. 
they were messed up. They came with all kinds of issues. Uh, uh, if you want to uh, notice that, start at the beginning. Go to chapter one in the beginning of the Bible and look at the dysfunctional family of Adam and Eve. They had issues and they have passed them down to all of us for all centuries, for all time. So I want to just take one snapshot of one person and I want to look at the messy past of St. Paul. Um, we call him St. Paul because of all his accomplishments. And he, he really did some extraordinary things. Uh, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Most of the stuff you love about the New Testament, probably Paul wrote that. If you've heard verses or stuff, or you've been to a wedding and you heard 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, that was Paul. Paul would um, launch the, the worldwide church. Once Jesus um, died, rose again, and went to heaven, Paul really pushed the, the church all over the world. He would be, um, he'd be like the Michael Jordan of, um, of the New Testament. More importantly, probably the Dan Marino. I mean, just really accomplished uh, uh, person in the New Testament. He devoted his life to serving Jesus, and he did great things. But the truth is this. Paul would be appalled to be called Saint Paul. I know, I know that, that rhymes. Paul would be Paul to be called Saint Paul. Yeah, that, that, that's not what he referred to himself as at all. I, that's not my opinion or a hunch. That's the truth. That Saint Paul, that we call him, Paul had a nickname for himself. And his nickname was the chief of all sinners. He was the worst of the worst. And that doesn't roll off our tongue in church to refer to Paul as the chief of all sinners. Um, welcome to St. Paul, Minnesota sounds a lot better than welcome to Chief of All Sinners, Chief of All Sinners, Minnesota. Probably doesn't, Chamber of Commerce isn't going to dig that. Uh, the, the fact is that uh, we diminish people in the Bible. We diminish their mess. And then they become unrelatable. And then the Bible becomes unrelatable. Church becomes unrelatable. Because we think anyone connected to God isn't messy. And the fact is, they were all messy, and we are all messy. In fact, when we diminish the mess of people in the Bible or the mess of those who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we diminish the story of God because the story of God is powerful. The story of God is this, that God, Almighty God, stooped down and got his hands dirty and, and offered relationship with us messy people. And through the sacrifice of Jesus, he offers us relationship. And there would be no reason for him to sacrifice on our behalf if we weren't messy and messed up. The fact is, the story of God is he took the extra step to step into our mess in order to help us through it. And if God can do that in the lives of so many people, he can do, he can do that for you. So, uh, if there's hope for Paul, there's hope for all. In uh, Nolens, Louisiana, we would say, if there's hope for Paul, there's hope for y'all, all of us. Let, let, me, let me show you what kind of uh, person Paul was. Um, because no matter what, what you've done or you think you've been disqualified, and you're like, Kyle, you don't understand what I, the things I've done, the things I've said, and people I've hurt, all right? I'm telling you, there's hope for you. And when the church, more importantly, when real life church gets this right, is when we're acting and responding most like Jesus. The early church takes off. Jesus had hung out for three years, taught his message, lived out his life, gave his life as a sacrifice to, to close the gap between us and God because of our sin. And then he proved he wasn't just a dude and he rose again. And then the church took off. 
And for a couple years or so, it was, it was booming. It was soaring. And then finally, it just came to a halt. And the reason it came to a halt was really almost single-handedly because of one person. And that was Paul. His name was Saul before he had a big life change. And Saul um, is a terrorist from Tarsus. And you think, man, Kyle, that's, that's extreme. Look at what Paul says about himself. I too was convinced that I had to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. He made it his mission to find people who followed Jesus and put them in prison or have them killed. He said, I'm guilty. I have blood on my hands. Many a time, I went from synagogue to synagogue, went from church to church. Can you imagine our day, one dude going church to church to another to have them punished? And I tried to force them to blaspheme, to, to recant their faith. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down to foreign cities. I, I even went after them when they left town. Can you imagine? Listen, Paul's behavior in persecution of people who are trying to do church and follow Jesus in the first century, it gets so bad that Jesus shows up. Yeah, listen, I've done a lot of bad stuff. That's the bad news. The good news is it's never been bad enough for Jesus to show up and correct me. I've had lots of people correct me, and I've had my conscience through God's Holy Spirit correct me, but Jesus never showed up. It gets so bad, Jesus comes on the scene, and he says uh, to uh, Paul, Paul's just riding along. He's going to another synagogue to persecute more Christians, to find people who, who uh, uh, he disagrees with and persecute them. He's on his way to imprison more Christians, and bam, this bright light comes, and he, he tells us this story, and there was other people that were witness of it, knocks him off his horse, and he's blinded. And this voice comes pounding out of the sky, super loud, and says, Saul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus himself says, why are you persecuting me? Not Christians, not the church. Why are you persecuting me? Then he says, Paul, we're going to turn your life around. First of all, we're going to change your name from Saul to Paul. And now, Paul, messy Paul, persecuting terrorist Paul, you're my first choice to spread the message of hope in Jesus throughout the world. Jesus takes the worst of the worst, the chief of all sinners, and says, come on in, I got a place for you. I got a crucial place for you. So how do we respond? How do, you, how do we respond to the mess? First of all, as people in general, as followers of Christ, as churches, how do we respond to the mess? Here's the great news that I understand now. It took me a long time because when I was little and younger in the faith tradition I was raised in, you hid, you hid your mess. And uh, how you appeared was so much more important than what you were really like. Here's some good news. The messier the person, the more powerful the message. God takes the junk in our life constantly and turns it into good and makes it a powerful message that affects other people as well. Paul gives us this verse. Look at this. He says, God comforts, he, God comforts us in all our troubles, all our mess, all our pain, so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. When we allow God, and we're open enough to let God deal with our mess, when we allow people into our lives who are messy, when our church is open to help 
messy people and welcome them in and let them come in their mess and, and not make them clean themselves up before they get to join. Not only are we affected positively in our mess, but we affect other people positively as well. It's a three-step process. Let me give it to you real quick. First of all, acknowledging, acknowledging your past is good. Acknowledging the mess that you have or that you're in, and it, that's really good. To, to say that out loud is a good thing. To say, I'm messy, I got a problem. Dealing with your past is better. When you deal with your past, now you have a message to share with other people. I can say, yeah, I struggle with anger. Oh, good for you, Kyle. But then if I don't do anything about it, I have nothing to say. But if I start meeting with a couple of guys, I get some help, I see a counselor, I start through a step that helps me control my anger, then I have something to say. Yeah, I'm an angry person, but I'm not as angry as I used to be. In fact, these are the things I've been doing to get better and not be so angry. But the third thing is leveraging your past is best. When you have a messy past, you acknowledge it. You start working on it with the help of other people or a counselor, God's almighty power. Then you can leverage that and you can be a blessing and a help in somebody else's life. I, I see it all the time. Where broken people find healing and then this broken, healed person can help another broken person that they run into. Because remember, if there's hope for Paul, the chief of all sinners, there's hope for you all. There's hope for us all. All right, so the what to do next is pretty simple. There's some specific steps I want to give to you just to put this in action a little bit, all right? First of all, would you consider to, that you would trust a friend enough to tell them about your mess? Here's what not to do. Don't get on Facebook and talk about your mess. Don't spread it all over Instagram. Don't put a TikTok dance together and dance about your mess. Just find one friend that you trust and say, listen, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with. Maybe you need to contact me or, or Billy or Graham. We'll sit down and talk to you. Listen, your mess doesn't scare us. We're messy people too. You're, we would welcome a sit down and a chat and a coffee if you need to talk honestly about where you're at. Second, trust the process and take steps to deal with your mess. Uh, there, there's got, you got to put an action plan in place and then follow it. Fail, follow it some more. Fail, follow some more. Whether anything from addiction to marriage trouble to, to anxiety, you maybe need to get some extra help. There's all kinds of great counselors. We can help you with that. We can recommend a, a bunch of them. We, 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 we can sit and listen. We can help. We can encourage. Uh, but there's got to be some steps. Would you consider taking some steps because the dealing with it is not just your responsibility. It's our, we'll help you. It's our responsibility as well. And finally, trust God to turn your messy regret into hope. And I know if you're in the middle of a mess and a pile of pain right now, you can't see that and it's okay. But the fact is God has a plan. God doesn't waste your pain. He doesn't waste a hurt. God has a plan to take your messiness, the mistakes, whatever regret you have in the past, and he turns it into hope. Both now, there's so many times where you'll be able to say, you look around at your life and you say, man, I can't believe I'm here because I used to be back there. I'm not where I want to be and I'm not perfect, but man, I'm so glad I'm not there. And then you invest in other people who are struggling as well and they receive hope. Listen, to be really honest with you, it's why our real life at home groups are so important. Uh, 
because of the pandemic, because we don't own a building and we don't have any property currently, we can't meet as a group. So we've launched these uh, Real Life at Home groups. Uh, I think we have about, uh, I don't know, six or seven or eight of them going right now. Brave people that, that stepped up to host. Brave people that, those of you that signed up to attend. And I know there's some fear in like, uh, I don't know about the pandemic and the virus. I don't feel comfortable. Okay, uh, we get that. But if there's some awkwardness, like I don't know about hanging out with people I don't know that well, and we don't all share the same lookout on faith, and maybe I'm messy, maybe they're messy, that's okay. Real life at home groups are there for messy people because we're all messy. It's really the reason we start them because we can't exist and move through and deal with our mess, um, follow Jesus, move ahead, feel hope all by ourselves. It was always meant to be together. One final thing. I don't know how messy your life is. Um, But whatever that mess is, when you didn't care anything about Jesus or didn't know anything about Jesus or never heard about Jesus, even as you sit here and listen to Daniel, you're like, I'm not a person of faith. I'm, I'm still checking this out. Listen, Jesus showed up for you. He showed up and knocked Paul off his horse, got Paul's attention. But Jesus showed up for you when he showed up on the cross. And as difficult as it is to think about is my sin, my mistakes, all that junk that keeps me from God and enjoying a relationship with God, Jesus showed up on the cross. He took my mess. And because of his perfection, he wiped out the consequence of my mess. I would invite you, wherever you're at today, however messy you are, I would invite you to consider Jesus as your Savior from the mess of your past, present, and future. Let's pray together. God, thanks so much that you love us, you care about us, and sometimes those of us who've been in church forever take that for granted, that we think, yay, Jesus took my mess, great. But the fact is, your sacrifice on our behalf, we never want to take for granted. And God, I pray for those of us who are new to faith, checking out church for the first time, I ask that it be really clear that they're not joining a set of rules, they're not trying to hide who they are, but they can be a part of who real life is just exactly the way that they are. And as they follow and get to know Jesus, that you'll take care of the mess. God, thanks for your love, your consistent uh, love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for uh, being here this morning. There's some discussion questions for great discussion questions, I think, for those of you uh, doing uh, real life at home groups. If you want to talk about them online, Um, If you want to participate, uh, Pastor Billy from Brewster is going to have a little Zoom uh, meeting. There's a link that you can click on to be part of Billy's Zoom at home group, and you can go over the discussion questions. Uh, Thanks so much for uh, giving up your time this morning. Uh, Have a great week. See ya. Love ya. Bye.